right. Well, thanks so much for coming to our new leader breakout. I love seeing this room packed full of people who are considering jumping in to leadership. I hope you guys enjoyed your garbage plates. Um, the bathroom's right there, so there you go there. We're good. Um, my name is Jason DeGraff. I've served on staff at Northridge um, for almost 10 years, nine, going on a little over nine years now. Um, I serve as our community groups pastor, um, and I've been working with groups most of my time at Northridge, but I've been our groups pastor for the last three years. All right. My name is Courtney Dyer, and I'm also on staff at Northridge. I've been on staff for about 10 years. I've been either a part of a community group or leading a group for over 20 years, which makes me super old. Um, and that's across you know three different churches, but super thrilled to, um, to see this room so packed with new leaders tonight. It's awesome. Well, we really believe uh, that community group leaders are the most vital volunteer uh, role at Northridge in our goal to accomplish uh, making more and better disciples. And I don't think that we can effectively engage more people and help them grow in their faith uh, without you leading, without our leaders. And so uh, tonight, or this morning, Drew talked about at Northridge, we believe that everybody was created for community. And so really, the goal behind community groups is for everybody to experience biblical community. That is what we are trying to accomplish. Um, but how do you define biblical community? What does that look like? Um, there's a lot of different ways that we could define it. Um, at Northridge, we simply just do it by calling it the community group ABCs, which stands for applying the Bible, building relationships, and caring for each other. And really, we would say that uh, these ABCs are the DNA of our community groups ministry. So what do these look like? We already talked about them as we celebrated them a little bit. But we would say when it comes to applying the Bible, groups are not primarily about learning more information, but they're about applying what we already know. Uh, that God's more concerned with the transformation of our life uh, than putting more information in our heads, although that is important as well. Um, so that's one of the reasons why we encourage groups to do sermon discussion. We want people to be applying what they're already hearing on Sunday morning. Uh, we want people to be doers of God's word uh, and not just hearers only. Uh, and so we want to encourage our group members. Go ahead, grab a seat. Um, we want to encourage our group members to bring uh, their sermon notes with them, whether that's on the app or with the program on Sunday morning or the booklet that we're handing out, and uh, also be bringing their Bibles with them. And we want, as we, you know. Engage in group time and in prayer time, we want to be asking each other, how are you doing at engaging and reading the Bible personally? When it comes to building relationships, we would say that the point of groups is not to hold meetings, uh, but the point of groups is to build healthy relationships that help us to grow in our faith. And Drew talked about it this morning. We can't guarantee um, that you're going to make friendships or at least close friendships in your group, but we do believe that we can provide a place where people have an opportunity to be known, where they can be heard, uh, where they can share life together and meet other people who are following Christ. And we would say, and we say this often, that the best sign of a healthy group is when we see group members doing life together outside of their regular group meetings. And when it comes to caring for each other, you know, when people uh, sit in rows on Sunday morning, they can be anonymous. Uh, if they don't show up on Sunday morning, then they're likely to not be missed. People may not notice. But groups provide a place that even if people don't show up, uh, they will be missed, and that if their life hits the fan, they have people in their group who are ready and who are willing to care for them. So uh, those are the goals and the purpose behind our community groups. Really, the ABCs are the DNA of our group's ministry at Northridge. 
So in this breakout for new leaders tonight, uh, we're gonna spend about 30 minutes together and we're gonna cover five key questions and then we'll hopefully leave some time at the end for some Q&A if you guys have further questions for us. So the five key questions that we're gonna address tonight, uh, number one being why do we need groups? Then why do we need, uh, why would we need new leaders? Why do we need you to lead? Uh, maybe you're asking, what, um, do I qualify to lead? Uh, what do leaders actually do? And then, you know, how do I get started in leading? So jumping right into question number one of why do we need groups? Drew talked about this a little bit this morning, uh, but we talk a ton about more and better disciples around here, and groups are one of the key ways that we aim to do that better piece of that equation. And so we have four reasons that we really believe we need groups. The first would be our cultural condition. I don't think it would surprise anyone if I said, hey, I think many Americans are lacking healthy community. Um, when analyzing our culture, George Gallup writes that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. I feel like we're surrounded by communication and information, but we can be extremely lonely. Um, and according to a few social scientists, the average American, it says the average American has only two people they feel like they can confide in. Um, I feel like we know a lot of people, but to only have two people that you feel like you can confide in shows that we are lacking community. Um, and then it's estimated by the year that by the year 2020, which like you know a year and a half from now, um, that depression is going to be among the most common health issues around the world. I think it certainly is already in America. Uh, the second reason we believe we need groups is that it's it's a biblical mandate, not necessarily groups as we're doing it, but like the idea of groups. Uh, in the early church in the New Testament, it talks a ton about one anothering one another. And what I mean by that is that 59 times in the New Testament, the, um, the Bible references one another. And uh, some examples of that would be encourage one another daily, serve one another in love, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, pray for each other, love one another, carry each other's burdens. And if you look at this whole list and then there's a ton more, um, I can't do this by myself. You can't do this by yourself. We are meant to do things together. So time and time again, the church is encouraged to do life in community together. And then every church across every age, across the entire world, um, no matter when in the church, they've, they've looked um, at culture and they've looked at these biblical mandates to figure out okay how, how do we do this well in our culture and for our culture in our time and where we are in our city in our church we've really found that groups seem to be the best way that we that we've figured out how to do this um, together and certainly we can't one another without one another um, so our third reason for needing groups would be for spiritual growth uh, there's a book called transformational groups that researched all sorts of stuff about groups um, and they surveyed thousands of Americans about their group experience. And the, um, they found that those respondents who attend a group four times a month, which means they're going to group, um, they show significantly um, higher percentage or um, uh, what they call it, scores, but participation in every area of discipleship compared to those who don't go to a group. Um, so regular group attendees are 40% more likely to be reading their Bible regularly. 28% are more likely to be praying for other people regularly, and 25% are more likely to be actually confessing sin to one another regularly. Those are, those are pretty big numbers. Um, the author of the book writes, do we believe effective groups are gonna help churches take consumers and move them from rows into circles, putting them in a better position to become more like Jesus? Absolutely. 
And although groups aren't the only place that spiritual formation um, happens, we are convinced that it's the primary place. All right, number four is because of our church growth. So Scott talked about this in a large group time, but over the last two years, our church has grown by over 300 new people. In fact, uh, over this year so far, we're averaging over 2,300 people who are attending every week. And I think Drew talked about this this morning, um, but if people come to Northridge for six months and they don't make at least seven connections in their first six months, then they're likely to drift away or to disconnect. And we don't, we don't know where people are coming from in their faith. They might be um, exploring faith. They might be uh, long-time Christians. But no matter where they are, we want to do everything we can to help them to connect, to build relationships, and to stick in our church. And so as God continue, continues to send new people to Northridge Church, we think that community groups are a great place for people to find relationships, to connect, and to grow. So that's why we need groups. But why do we need you as leaders? And I would say it's a similar thing to our last point, that in order to keep up with the growth of our church and the growth of our groups, we need more leaders to step in so we can multiply our existing groups and create space for new people. So in the last two years, our church has added about 250 people in groups. So Scott talked about we had 1,498 people attend a group last year. I'm hoping maybe there was two people who just didn't make it on a group roster, so we actually had 1,500. But, yeah, we, uh, we added... 250 people over the last couple of years. Last year, we added just five more groups. So um, that's a lot of people to fit into our existing groups right now. At the end of last year, we had 89 groups. And so our groups were very pregnant. Um, they had a lot of people in them. And, and in order for those groups to um, expand, to multiply, then we also need more leaders to lead new groups. Uh, and so we want to continue to grow as a church, connect the people in our church, and so in order to multiply those groups, we need you. We need new people to step into a position of leadership. Uh, as group coaches at Northridge, we often talk about how our group leaders are the secret sauce behind Northridge Church's growth and effectiveness. And I really think in order for us to reach more people and to care for them effectively, uh, then we need more leaders. So that is why we need you. And you might be thinking, you know, okay, why am I here? I really don't think of myself as a leader, and I certainly don't feel like I could lead anybody spiritually. Um, so that leads us right into question number three of do I qualify to lead? And so if that's your question, then we'd love for you to check out this three-minute video that might help answer that question. All right, next up, King um, David. Thanks for coming, King David. What qualifies you to be our next small group leader? Well, what was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, King. Yeah, King, right. How many of those am I up against? What strikes? Uh, plagues? A pretty good staff? Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Yeah. Cut it in two. Boom. <laughs> Wisdom. Part uh, much wise water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. Mountain <laughs> climbing? Um, commandment retrieval, don't group you, and it can make a pretty neat ghost sausage. Okay, that means maybe haircuts, women, whose isn't. <laughs> well, so I lied, I said my wife was my sister, they were gonna kill me. Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, it, it, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get you behind me, Satan? Let me use the exact quote. Bathsheba. I knew you were going to go there. 
It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, first I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Kirsten. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed. Okay. They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. Have <laughs> ever killed anyone? What? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You need something to take care of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. Well, I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. <laughs> All right, we're good then. Thank you. <laughs> let, me, let me think about this. <laughs> shows, um, I am so personally thankful that God uses imperfect people um, to help lead others. Obviously, uh, none of us would be here. I certainly wouldn't be here. Um, and I'm so grateful that God uses us in our failures and in spite of our failures um, to point us back to our need for him. And that is our goal as group leaders, is to point people back to our need for him. Uh, so what is required of our group leaders? Who can lead? Uh, we essentially have five basic requirements. Uh, the first would be a growing relationship with Christ. Um, how long should you be a follower of Christ before you can be a group leader or lead other people? Um, well, scripture isn't super clear on that. Uh, we tend to think, you know, if you've been a Christian for, you know, two years, then, then sure, you, you can certainly be a group leader. Um, but obviously, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong on that. And you can be a follower of Jesus for 30 years and still be incredibly immature. Um, so the key word in this whole requirement is the word growing, a growing relationship with Christ. It really is about the direction of your heart. We like to say it's about direction, not perfection. Uh, the second requirement for group leaders is that you've um, completed one trimester as a participant in a Northridge group. Uh, we have people that come and uh, become a part of our church, and they've come from great churches. They've been part of great groups. They might have even led great groups at great churches, and we celebrate that, and we love that. Uh, but we ask all of our leaders, even people who join our staff, even Drew, we said, you need to be part of a group for a trimester before, uh, before you're a group leader. Because we really believe that just by jumping in and participating, you'll catch how and why and what we do in our groups. Um, that is way better than you know reading any booklet or anything like that. But the great news is that the day you started attending a group was the day you actually started your leadership training. So uh, the third requirement would be uh, that you're a church member. Uh, we really believe that membership communicates to our um, to our church leaders, also to our to our church body, that hey, I believe in the mission, the vision, the values of this church. Um, I'm behind it. And I love, if you are not part of, um, if you're not a member of our church, our next leadership, our member, next membership class is September 30th. So there'll be some sign-up opportunities in the next couple of weeks. 
Um, so be sure to sign, sign up for that, and we'd love to answer questions if you have questions about that. Uh, number four would be time, capacity, and discernment. And that might sound like a lot, but really all it means is, hey, do you have time to prioritize your group? Do you have time to attend your group? And then do you have time to invest a little bit in your group outside of your regular group meetings? And when it comes to discernment, we all tend to think, I don't have discernment. Um, I think that. But the, the truth is you're sitting here because someone identified you as having discernment in being able to help someone else take steps in getting closer to God. Number five would be agreeing to our group leader behaviors. The truth of it is, as a group leader, you are going to be in a position of influence. Uh, your group members are going to watch you. They're going to watch your life um, and take what you say very seriously. I think that's a great thing. I think that's a great thing. And so as a role model, uh, we want to make sure that you're in agreement with a few behaviors that we think should be consistent with followers of Jesus. And so those agreements are listed in our handbook um, and also in the group leader application. All right, so uh, maybe you would say, hey, I qualify to lead, but what really would be expected of me if I'm jumping into this role of a leader? What does that look like? Which brings us to um, our next question, which is what do group leaders do? And so if you were to look at a job description for group leaders, there would be a number of responsibilities. So I just want to walk through a few of those with you now um, quickly. So the first one would be to organize the weekly meeting. So obviously you want to make sure that um, your, your meeting happens, figuring out all the details to make that happen during the week. Uh, number two would be to take group attendance. Um, our group's database actually sends you an email and uh, or a text message every week where, with a link that you can click on and just check who is there. So that's a pretty simple step to take. Number three is to update your online search profile. So probably especially this week, people are looking for groups online. So you want to make sure that the location, the night of the week, time, date, if you have childcare, all that stuff is in, uh, updated. That's only something you're going to do you know, once or maybe twice a year. Number four is to communicate with your group members. So you know, this would be like a weekly reminder email about group. This is you know, texting your group members during the week to see how they're doing, uh, connection, connecting with your group in and outside of your group meeting. Uh, number five would be to pray for your group members. Um, I think a good goal for that is to try to at least pray for everybody in your group once a week or even maybe you each have some specific people you're praying for and you pray for those people during the week. Number six is to raise up new leaders. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why you are here. Um, we want to partner together. We don't want anybody to be leading alone. So look to raise up new leaders. Number seven is to multiply your group. You've heard us talk a little bit about that. So on average, groups at Northridge multiply about every three years. Um, some multiply after a, a longer portion of time. Some groups multiply quicker. But once your group gets to about 15 or 16 people attending consistently, it's about time to start thinking about multiplying your group. And that can be scary, it can be hard, and so that's a good time to talk with your coach to figure out you know, exactly what that looks like. Number eight is to meet with your coach. So I talked a little bit about this tonight. Um, depending on whatever level of coaching care you chose um, or your group decides on this year, we will be visiting your group. Uh, but we also want to meet with you at least twice during the year. And really the goal behind those coaching connections um, is first and foremost just to be an encouragement to you in your own personal faith, see how you're doing, how life is going. Um, but secondarily, we want to help support you in your role as a group leader. It can be difficult, there can be a hard situation, so we want to help you uh, provide guidance with those. And then number nine is to attend trainings. Um, you are at uh, one of those this year, so you got one out of two. We only do it two a year, so we'd ask you to make it a goal to attend um, all of those trainings. Now, when you think about these leader responsibilities, you don't have to do them all on your own, but it is your responsibility to make sure they happen. 
So many of these you can share with your co-leaders. Uh, you can even take other mature people in your group and share some of these responsibilities. And so we'll dive more into some of these responsibilities as we go on throughout this breakout. But it's one thing to qualify to be a leader. It's another thing to check off all of these responsibilities. But that doesn't guarantee success in your group and success in leadership. And over the years, we've discovered uh, several key essentials that create an optimum group environment in which we believe that God can work and you can grow. Um, we don't look at these essentials as a checklist for you to check off uh, to make sure you're developing correctly, but we'd say they're more like gauges, that no matter how long you're leading, you would look at these essentials to see how you're doing at leading groups. Uh, when we look at groups, we would say that the ABCs, community group ABCs, are the DNA of our group's ministry, and we would say that we have six group leader essentials, that these essentials are really the DNA of what makes a great group leader. Now, practicing these six essentials, they're not going to guarantee um, that you're going to have a successful group, but we do believe that they provide the best opportunity for you and your group members to experience biblical community. So we want to dive into these six essentials. Now, the first one, and this was our main theme for tonight, is to pursue Christ. So we won't take too much time to talk about that. Um, but we'd say that pursuing Christ is always important and it's always urgent. That we can't lead other people down a path that we are not on ourselves. And so the question we need to be asking ourselves every single day is, how am I doing at staying rooted in my relationship with Jesus? How am I doing at pursuing Him? And really, all the other five essentials, everything we do rises and falls on this one. So we'd say at all costs, make sure you're pursuing Christ. And I know tonight you're in this breakout, there's five other breakouts that are all about pursuing Christ. So we're recording those, we plan to put them uh, online in the next week or two, if you want to uh, take a listen to them as you pursue this essential. All right, the second essential would be to cultivate relationships. Uh, a statement that we say regularly around here is that in order to grow spiritually, we need to be connected relationally. And this goes back to those 59 one another commandments that um, we found in uh, the New Testament, it really is God's idea that we live out our faith with other people. And I feel like we, I get guilty so often of thinking that spiritual growth is all about learning more information or following a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, but it really is relational. Relational with God and then relational with other people. Um, as Jesus said in Matthew 22, the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, um, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God, loving people. Those are Obviously, truly relational. Um, and we want our group members to grow relationally with God. We want to help people take their next step in their faith. Um, but we also want to help people grow relationally with one another and to do these one another as well. So a major part of our role as leaders um, is creating an, an environment where group members have opportunities then to connect with each other at deeper and deeper levels. And that's kind of what Drew was talking about this morning with those four different levels of, of um, relationships, you know, and so we, in groups, we want to take people from, you know, social to personal and then give them an opportunity to have those intimate relationships as well. And we certainly can't make growth happen, but we can seek to create environments and opportunities. And certainly in our experience, as Jason said a little bit ago, the best sign of a healthy group is when we see group groups doing life together um, outside of the group meetings. And as leaders, we can take the first step in helping this happen. Um, we can create those environments and we can create those opportunities. You know, we can create serving, um, serving opportunities for our group. We can plan something social for people to go out and do something fun. Uh, we could replace a regular meeting with just a guy's night or a girl's night. Uh, we could 
choose uh, to get together with just you know a couple of people from our group um, to specifically invest in them and spend time with them. And certainly we want to encourage people in our groups to be going out together. I love it when someone from my group reaches out to somebody else from my group and they go out and they do something and I have nothing to do, it, to do with it. I, I think that's fantastic. I love celebrating that. And cultivating relationships, it might never really feel urgent in your group, but it certainly is very, very important. And if we aren't intentional um, about creating those environments and creating those opportunities, it, it really might not happen. All right, number three is to promote participation. Uh, so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And really, and Drew talked about this morning with our small church sermon, uh, community groups really are a microcosm of the church. They're kind of like smaller churches. And just as everybody has a role to play in the body of Christ, uh, so everybody in groups has a role to play, and no part is insignificant. So uh, we want to be leading our groups to be contributors and not just consumers. And so how do we do that? Um, really, we promote participation and contribution by giving away the tasks of running the group. So I'm just going to be sharing tasks like sending out the weekly reminder email, I'm having different people host the group, providing snacks, uh, this could be taking attendance, doing childcare, organizing socials. Uh, when you promote participation, then it increases the buy-in of the group members. They feel like, okay, the group is counting on me. And if the group is counting on them, then they're more likely to show up. And if they're more likely to show up, then they're more likely to connect and to grow in their faith. And so when you give away tasks, you encourage uh, your group members to engage and to grow in their faith. And so a few years ago, we created a template spreadsheet that we put on our group leaders webpage. Um, you can access it there. And on that template, it's just a great place for you to organize serving roles in your group. And what we found that, that has worked best is that instead of bringing that sheet to your group the first week or two and saying, hey, would you guys sign up for these things? And maybe one or two people signed up. They actually pre-assign, fill in all the slots with everybody serving, and then just bring out the group and say, here's our serving schedule. And every group leader and every group that I've known that's done this has never gone back to having a sign-up sheet. It's, it's worked incredibly. It works. So I would encourage you to, to try that. Now one role that you might feel like, okay, can I really share this role would be to share facilitation. Sometimes we feel like as leaders, you know, aren't we the ones who are supposed to be leading the discussion and I'm not sure my group members are ready or I'm not sure that they feel ready. Uh, but the reality is that at one point somebody shared facilitation with you maybe before you felt ready and it stretched you and, and now you're in this room today um, maybe stepping into a position of leadership. And when you share that role, you stretch people and prepare them for future leadership. And we'd say this about facilitation. Facilitation is not the same thing as teaching. We are not asking you as group leaders to be teachers. Uh, one way to, to think about this, we would say, is if you were to bring an unbelieving friend to church on Sunday morning to Northridge, they were to hear the sermon, you go out to eat after the service, and they start asking you questions about the sermon, I think you'd be really ecstatic that they were asking questions about the sermon, that you're having a discussion about the sermon. That's really the same thing that we want to have happen in groups. You're discussing the sermon from Sunday and how to apply it to your life. So as you share tasks and responsibilities in your group, you're going to incre increase the buy-in of your group members and maybe even prepare some of them for future leadership. All right, the fourth group leader essential is to model authenticity. And we would define authenticity as acting in a way that lines up with what I believe and what I say, and then whenever my actions don't line up, I own it. 
uh, people would, we've seen this over and over, that people would rather follow a leader who is always real than someone who's always right. Um, we can't as leaders and we shouldn't pretend that we always act in a way that's consistent with what we believe. In fact, that's why I'm in group in the first place. That's why Jason's in group in the first place. We want to ask God um, to help us grow in our faith, but also to help us with our shortcomings, to help us with those areas of sin. Um, and people, we've seen it, people have no problem following someone who's always real. Um, and when it comes to being real, and when it comes to being honest, as leaders, uh, we have to understand and recognize and then break what is a natural cycle of authenticity and I'll explain that. Um, in normal relationships, you work really, really hard to get to a place of, of trust, and then you're willing to share your life and your real life stuff with people. Um, and that's how people in our groups are going to function. They're gonna wait until they trust us before they're gonna share their real life with us. But as leaders, uh, we need to recognize that, be aware of that, and then reverse that. We need to lead with that honesty, with that authenticity. And that is going to help speed up that process of our group members trusting us and then being willing to share their real life stuff with us. Um, I feel like this is the most important whenever somebody brand new comes and checks out your group for the first time. They're going to assume that because we're in the leader seat or that we've got our stuff all together um, and that they are the only ones carrying their sin problems in the door with them. So anytime a new person walks into your group, it should almost signal a mental timer in, in your mind of like how long until I can let them know I'm not perfect either. So, um, you know, and authenticity doesn't just mean that I'm gonna like spout out my sin problems for you, which I probably would do anyway, but um, it doesn't just mean that. Um, again, authenticity is just doing what I say I'm gonna do, and then when I don't do it, I own it. And so if I say that, you know, group, group attendance really matters, then one way I can be authentic is by actually showing up and prioritizing my group. Um, if, I, if I say one week that, you know, I really want to treat my spouse better, I want to be a better wife, but then I'm a real jerk and I'm a nag this week, then I need to share that. I need to be open about that. And I need to ask for accountability and prayer in that area. If I, if I say that I believe prayer is a really vital part of my relationship with God, then I need to be a praying person. And I need to be asking people in my group to, to be holding me accountable to that, be asking me about that. So again, people would rather follow a leader that is always real than one that is always ready. All right, number five is to provide care. So um, we've talked about how the ABCs, uh, one is apply the Bible, build relationships and care for each other. So if you already have care for each other as an ABC, then why do we include this in one of our essentials as well? And I'd say that caring for one another is not the same thing as providing care. So we should be fostering a caring environment in our group, but we also need to take the lead in providing care for our group members when they experience pain or difficulty. And we really do this by just paying attention to what's happening in our group members' lives. So as they share prayer requests uh, in prayer time, as they open up in large group, uh, as you connect with them outside of group, be aware of what's happening in their life. And providing care, it can be as simple as writing down prayer requests in prayer time so you can actually remember them and actually remember what to pray for and then to, to bring those back up the next week to see how they're doing. Um, this is remembering birthdays and anniversaries <coughs> and then taking some time to acknowledge them and to celebrate them in your group. Um, this is touching base with your group members during the week, uh, whether that is a text message or that um, would be a phone call. Or if somebody in your group is to drop something really heavy, drop a bomb, 
Um, make sure they don't go a whole week without hearing from somebody after they share something very heavy. They should hear from somebody that night or, or the next morning. Because if they do that, if they don't hear for a week, then they're likely to not open up again. Um, they might not even come back to your group again. So when things get tough in your group, we should be the first to provide care. We need to be making meals, providing child care, attending the funeral, showing up at the hospital. Uh, but maybe as you think about that, that sounds a little bit overwhelming and you think, I really, I'm not sure that I can handle all of that. And I would say, you know what, you're right. Uh, none of us can handle all of it. In fact, we need to give away and delegate as much as we can in group. And so a simple way to do this for my group, we actually take our roster at the very beginning of the, the trimester, the first week or two, and split up everybody on the roster among all the co-leaders or even other mature people in group. And we just make sure that, that everybody has somebody who's looking out specifically for them. I think every group can care for the group members in that way. But sometimes there's levels of care that go really beyond what you uh, as a group leader and your group can handle. Uh, our community groups, we're not 12-step programs. We are not support groups. Uh, and so when you face addiction in your group, when you face divorce, uh, significant financial issues, when you face tragic loss, uh, it's important to know that we all have limits, that there's a difference between uh, becoming, uh, providing care and becoming a caretaker. And so when those situations come up, it's a great time to connect with your coach. Either uh, your coach can provide wisdom for how you can provide care for that person, or they can help you know when you can pass that person off to a Northridge staff member or a coach to provide deeper pastoral care. Um, we can't care equally for everybody in our group, but as a leader, it's your role to make sure that we provide care for everybody. All right, and the final uh, group leader essential, number six, is to replace yourself. And this one might never feel urgent, but it really is important, and that is the call to replace yourself as group leaders uh, we always want to be in a place where we're building up new leaders. Uh, we want to grow our group and then multiply uh, to have two groups so that we can make room for the new people that God keeps bringing to our church. Uh, we want to multiply our groups and be talking about multiplication um, early and often. And then as leaders, always be identifying and thinking about <coughs> developing new leaders. Um, unfortunately, nobody's going to show up with, at your group with the word leader tattooed across <laughs> their forehead. Um, they're not discovered. They're really developed. Uh, so, um, you know, we're not, we're not looking for someone who's going to be ready to lead tomorrow. But, you know, be looking for the people in your group that seem really humble, teachable, curious, intentional. They, they serve others. They, they put others first. Um, and that they're growing spiritually. Um, and you certainly, I certainly don't have to be an expert leader to be able to come alongside someone and apprentice someone um, who could be a future leader. But you could be intentional with them, have conversations, and drip some vision to them of their potential of like, hey, I, I think you might make a great group leader sometime soon. I, I've been, I've led groups for years, and I specifically remember those conversations with different people where someone said to me or to my husband, like, you guys are going to make great group leaders. And I was like, really? And I started to pay attention to that. Um, replacing ourselves really starts with something that Jason talked about um, earlier, with promoting participation. Um, when you think you find someone that, hey, they could really be a group leader someday, um, you could move away from sharing the tasks of like sending the email and organizing the snack to actually having some influence in your group. Um, ask them to personally invest in another couple of people in your group. Ask them to follow up on a, on a big prayer request that was shared. 
invite them in on a sensitive conversation about some directional thing for your group. You can share influence with them. And you know, a long, long time ago, someone stepped up to be a new leader so that their group could multiply, so their group could make, so a new group could make room for me. And somebody did that for Jason, and someone has done that for you. And uh, we always want to be um, replacing ourselves. It is um, essential to make room for others so that uh, you know the new people God is bringing us can experience group. Right, well, as we wrap up, I want to share with you just a few resources that we think will be helpful for you uh, as a group leader. So the first one is NorthridgeLeaders.com. It's our group leader webpage. We have a blog there throughout the groups here with different tips on how to lead group. Uh, we'll also share updates about what's happening in our group's ministry. You can find the sermon discussion questions for your group there for every week, um, the dates for the trimesters, dates for trainings. We've got uh, all kinds of long videos, short videos, answering different questions about uh, leading. Um, we have a search bar there, so if you've got questions, you can just search uh, everything on our website. We have all of our past training content, so if you want to go listen to some previous trainings or even the stuff that we had from tonight, we'll post all of that hopefully on there soon so you can access that. So check out NorthridgeLeaders.com. It would be a very helpful resource for you. Number two is our groups database. Um, this is the web link for that, group vitals. Um, that's, again, where you're going to track attendance for your group, where, where you can update your group finder description as people are looking for a group. Uh, there's even a feature in there where you can do a group email or a group text to your group members through that website. So uh, check that out. Um, we talked about tonight already, rightnowmedia.org, 12,000 some videos that you can use for your personal faith, for your group. Um, we will shrink that list a little smaller so you can have some select um, tools that you'd like to use for a group discussion. Um, NorthridgeServes.com. So maybe your group wants to get involved in serving in our community, but you're not sure where to start. Uh, we have a bunch of partners with Northridge Church um, that we are trying to serve our community and make a difference. And so if you're looking for a way to serve, you can find the partners there. You can also find their contact tap information to figure out how to get involved in serving. Uh, we have NorthridgeEquip.com. So um, there's probably many times in your group that uh, there's going to be theological questions that you have no idea how to answer or uh, maybe questions related to the Bible that you don't know how to answer or there's counseling issues that you're clueless on. And so uh, on that website, there's thousands of different articles and videos, resources that Northridge Church has curated over a number of years that you can search that website to find some answers to those questions. Uh, number, the next one there is regroup training. So again, we mentioned this already. We do two of these every year. Uh, you've attended one, but if you can make it a goal to attend uh, both of those every year, we try our best to make these uh, events as helpful as possible and also a little bit fun and feed you as well. Um, and then the last and the most important resource is your group coach. And so again, we have seven group coaches. Our primary goal is to make sure that you are thriving in your own personal faith and secondarily to help you in leading your group. Um, and so we hope to meet with you at least twice during the year. I mean, you can meet with us whenever you'd like. We want to meet up at least twice during the year to talk about your life and talk about your group. So that leads us to our last question, which is how do I get started? So as you came in today, there was a card that you should have received on uh, your chair. If you can pull that out, uh, fill out that card now. If you can put your name, your email, and your phone number, and then just let us know what your plans are for a group. Whether you say, hey, I'm in, you know, I was in before I got here, I'm ready to jump in, contact me about my next steps. Maybe you'd say, hey, we're just checking things out. Don't bite too quickly. Um, you can just you know, check still considering. Uh, and then there's also a place to write questions if you have questions. So you can 
fill that out, that card out. Um, as you leave, just leave that on your chair. Uh, we will collect them and then follow up with you this week. Uh, then you want to talk with your group leader. So just let them know about what your plans are after tonight's training. Uh, are you planning on jumping in with them? Do you want to wait a little bit longer? What, is your, what are your thoughts about that? Um, there's an application for you to fill out. You can access that at northridgeleaders.com. Um, as I follow up with you, I'll probably send you a link to that as well. And then the last uh, would be to take the next membership class. So if um, you are not yet a member of Northridge, that class is on September 30th. Uh, we can get you signed up for that, but that would be one of the qualifications for being a group leader. So uh, that is our breakout. Um, we, in a few minutes, we're going to have some ice cream. We do have a couple minutes here if you guys have any questions about what we talked about tonight. So any questions that you guys have. Okay, well, we will um, stick around. So if you want to talk with us personally, you can. Uh, you can fill out those cards leave them on uh, your chair. Thanks so much for joining us tonight um, at Regroup. We hope you had a good time. We, we're excited for the groups here ahead. Um, there's ice cream in the lobby, so go enjoy it, and we'll see you soon.